0: When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply.
1: Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. JD Power ranked us number 1 in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at amfam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show.
0: All-Hit
2: Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the X-Zone on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Toll free at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. 528 8255. That's toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com, and our websites www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com. Question for you, Nation: Did the Irish discover America 1,000 years before Columbus? Well, in elementary school, we learned that Christopher Columbus was the first European to discover America in 1492. Remember, remember that? Well, as we grew older, we learned of Leif Ferrickson and the Vikings visiting Greenland around 1,000 A.D. Now there's growing evidence that an Irish saint was the first European to set foot in the New World a millennium before Christopher Columbus. Around 530 A.D., an Irish monk named St. Brendan set sail on a legendary voyage in search of the mysterious promised land of the saints. Convinced he'd found it, he returned to Ireland to tell his tale. Modern academia now believes that St. Brendan actually discovered America 1,000 years before Columbus. Now, our special guest this hour, Doug Elwell, is going to... Tell us the story of St. Brendan, as well as many others, about ancient, mysterious Ireland. Doug Elwell is a passionate uh, researcher and has written articles on religion, history, mythology, and travel, and publishes Mysterious World, an online travel uh, journal of history, travel, and ancient mysteries. Mysterious World, Ireland is the first volume in their new series of Travel Guides, and we're talking about Ireland at this hour here on the X-Zone. And Doug Elwell, always great having you uh, here with us on the X-Zone. How are things with you, and what's new with Mysterious Ireland?
0: Great to hear from you again, Rob. Uh, things are going great. Actually, I had a very good year. Uh, during uh, December, we had a good sales uh, period for Mysterious Rhode Ireland, probably the best uh, since we've published And uh, there's always a perennial interest in Ireland and everything Irish. Even now, during these kind of economic dark times, people kind of look at it as a a great little escape to to times, uh, maybe simpler times, happier times. I remember when I first wrote the book, it was a fantastic experience. And looking back on it uh, and the book and rereading through things, it's uh, it's really been fascinating, the Irish history and culture, how rich and and, uh, wonderful it was.
2: Why... Why the Irish? For example, everybody loves to be Irish on St. Patrick's Day. They drink green beer. They wear green with pride. My mother used to make green mashed potatoes. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we used to wear a green tie to shirt uh, to school. We used to wear something green all the time. And we'd stand there and freeze our little selves watching the St. Patrick's Day parade in downtown Montreal. Mm -hmm. What is the fascination with the Irish?
0: I think uh, it has to do with a co- kind of a Celtic ethos of freedom and independence and a kind of a, a desire to be joyful. Uh, and something about the Irish is they're the last bastion of Celtic Celtic thought and, and life ways in the West. Uh, the Celts used to dominate the entire continent of Europe, but they were driven farther and farther west until they made their last stand in Ireland and Scotland. And uh, the old Celtic life ways, uh, I think, are starting to make a comeback as people are realizing You know, with all this technology... we've got to take
2: a commercial break. We'll be right back in two minutes. ExoNation, don't go away. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing Remember 213 401 0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci fi radio programming anywhere 24 7 365. Are you interested in the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, or psychic phenomenon? Join me, Tim Bartley, co-host of Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, coming mid-January 2017 to the XZBN. Doug Elwell is our special guest this hour. We're talking about mysterious world Ireland, and uh, Doug, what are some of the most misunderstood historical points about Ireland?
0: I would say, uh, like you mentioned briefly before, the, uh, the fact that uh, Saint Brendan probably mm-hmm. uh, discovered uh, America of uh, close to at least eight hundred years before Saint, before uh, Christopher or Columbus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's all kinds of actually quite a bit about uh, Ireland that's misunderstood, the uh, the concept of the shamrock, and, the, and that sort of thing, the, the green beer. They really didn't, they really weren't into uh, St. Patrick's Day festivals, until the Americans, for example, started celebrating it uh, themselves. The first St. Patrick's Day parade was actually held in New York, I think 1764 or thereabouts, uh, by uh, some Irish uh, policemen who wanted to uh, celebrate their culture. And then it took off in the United States, and it didn't really pick up in Ireland until about 10 years ago. And now it's a huge cultural phenomenon over there, and it's also a very big tourist attraction as well.
2: How about uh, St. Patrick? Everybody associates St. Patrick with uh, Ireland, and very few people actually know the story about uh, St. Brendan.
0: St. Patrick? Yeah. Uh, the, the St. Patrick is uh, was actually came from uh, Wales. Uh, for, from Cumbria, which is in southwestern England or western England, he was originally. Uh, he was also a Celt. He was a, but a different type of Celt. Uh, the, uh, the the uh, Welsh Celts are very similar. So, when he he was actually uh, taken by a, a, raiding party of pirates sent by King, of uh, uh, the Na- Nine Hostages of, of Ireland, who came who frequently raided the uh, English coast to take uh, slaves and sell them. And he ended up as a slave to a druid named Milku in uh, the Dalriada, which is in, uh, in Ulster, in Northern Ireland right now, what is now Northern Ireland. And but after six years, he managed to escape, but an angel uh, came and told him to escape and, uh, and return to his, to his home. And after that, he dedicated his life to God and uh, became a, uh, began to study uh, to become a bishop. He actually studied in France, in uh, the Abbey of Laurent, under St. Germain, for several years until he uh, was called by uh, an angel again in a dream, said, you should return to Ireland uh, and save the people there and minister on my behalf. Uh, So he was actually, coincidentally, or perhaps actually, uh, Pope uh, Celestine actually needed somebody to go to Ireland because the previous Bishop Palladius had been driven from the island by uh, by the uh, fierce Irish warriors who dominated the land there. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, uh, Patrick had had the dreams visions of irish children calling out to bring the word of god to them uh pope celestine contacted contacted him shortly thereafter and said i need you to be my bishop in ireland and that's how the, the story began
2: now what about saint patrick uh, get, uh, ridding ireland of snakes
0: well ireland never actually had any snakes geologically mm-hmm. speaking it's been separate for su- such a long time the snakes ever never actually managed to make it there uh but the uh the the actual story of of Patrick ridding the Island of Snakes had to do with uh, his uh, fight against druidry, uh, druidism. But the uh, symbol of the druids was the snake, and they uh, they had carved snakes on their staves, and they, uh, so snakes really became kind of. Uh, it's really snakes throughout history of religion have always been a symbol of natural energy, and the druids drew upon natural energy and kind of worshipped idols. And when con- Patrick came in conf- conflict with them, uh, his driving uh, Druidism out by preaching and evangelizing, not by causing harm, he symbolically, quote unquote, drove the snakes from Ireland. And also, it's, it has to do with the kind of the, the fact that there are actually no snakes in Ireland. So the two, the myth or the story and the legend, kind of congealed together and created the story about Patrick driving all the snakes from Ireland.
2: What, do, what can people read about in your Mysterious World travel guides?
0: Well, basically, we cover as much as you can possibly pack into one volume. Mysterious World Ireland was designed to be a comprehensive overview of everything about Ireland from the very, very earliest history to modern times. The first half of the book uh, covers uh, the, the mystery, uh, uh-huh. the mythological uh, and prehistoric period of Ireland where all the, the ancient battles and the, the mythologies were derived. And then you have the historical period where we talk about the coming of Christianity and uh, the historical period thereafter, because there was no written history before the Christians came. Christians brought with them books and the the very concept of written history. So that, uh, with the coming of Christianity, came the coming of historical writings. So there was a a separate period in Irish history. And then we have an entire section devoted to uh, traveling throughout Ireland, which we call the journey, which is the majority of the book and where uh, our author, our main author, uh, Ian Middleton, he uh, he actually traveled throughout the entire island, spent several months uh, going pretty much every mysterious place you could go to, documenting and everything. Mm-hmm. And it has a very fascinating uh, travelogue to go with it. It's very readable.
2: Now, as far as the uh, the... The archaeological aspects of Ireland. Uh, what do you tra- what do you cover in in the travel guide?
0: We actually have a listing of the different types of, of archaeological artifacts with definitions like like dolmens right. and uh, you know with all kinds of stone circles and and what what a fairy tree is and why it's important and that sort of thing. Uh, there's standing stones, the megaliths, uh, everything from a simple stone ring all the way up to of uh, major monuments uh, that such as Newgrange which is a gigantic stone structure that possibly predates the pyramids wow yeah it's very old uh and it actually aligns it actually aligns with the sun uh rise the sunrise on the uh, i think it's winter solstice and uh, there's another uh, another uh nearby uh, t- uh another nearby monument called Doath in the same region, which actually is lined up with the sunset on the winter solstice. So everything in the Celtic and in Irish mythology and their religion was based on the cycles of the sun and the moon and the natural and the natural world. That's what they were all about.
2: Now, what are some of the other mysteries that you cover in um, Mysterious World Ireland?
0: Well, there's, there's so much it's hard to figure out where to begin. We have a, a section on... Uh, creatures great and small we have uh, uh, we talk about ghosts fairies giants sea monsters pretty much everything you can think of uh,
2: what about leprechauns everybody lep- talks about leprechauns
0: leprechauns are actually one of the most popular yeah. uh, subjects because uh, the fairy uh, mythology is one is a very powerful undercurrent mm-hmm. in Celtic thought and Irish thought particularly uh, the leprechauns were actually an, the offspring of a Uh, of a a human male and a fairy female so they're a little bit bigger than typical and don't ask me how they did it it's 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 a family show but they (laughs) they 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 they, the offspring uh, were sometimes male and sometimes the males were unattractive you know you know humanish instead of uh, fairyish, which are fairies are always beautiful so if they're even slightly unattractive they're banished from the fairy uh, underworld Mm -hmm. and uh... they forced to live in the above ground regions, uh, where they kind of in between the world of the of the humans and the worlds of the fairies, and as such they're kind of outcasts and vagrants. And they ended up being uh, uh, sullen little tricksters who ended up stealing a lot of things like gold, uh, you know, magical items, and all kinds of all kinds of things that uh, they stashed away in their little uh, their warrant or wherever they happened to hide. Uh, sometimes they could be nice. Other, other times they could be cruel and capricious. Uh, but they were always one of the most popular because they were kind of a trickster character in uh, Irish mythology, and tricksters are always the most interesting.
2: Now, people go to uh, Ireland, and they also kiss the Blarney Stone.
0: Mm-hmm. In County Cork and Blarney Castle, mm-hmm. uh, there's a, uh, an ancient stone of unknown origins, which is believed to have been possibly the Stone of Scone or uh, the uh the stone of destiny, or some people even think it was, hails back to biblical times, but the uh, the uh, tradition is to kiss the stone; and it would make you eloquent. And that story came from the uh, the story of how Queen Elizabeth, who wanted her general to conquer uh, that region around Blarney and the castle, was always given a very plausible excuse by uh, by uh, King Cormac of the uh, who owned the castle. He'd always come with a very eloquent and long witted reason why he shouldn't attack just that day. And the general would take that reason back to Elizabeth, and this would happen over and over again, and the stories would get more and more elaborate to the point where uh, it, the, uh, when, it, when you have a very good excuse uh, for getting out of uh, trouble, it became, Elizabeth started calling it a load of Blarney. So that's where that term came from. It's the, uh, the, the king of Blarney Castle it was such a good speaker that he could even convince a general not to attack.
2: What about the uh, stories about the screaming banshees?
0: Banshees are uh, actually not uh, fairy, even though the name banshee means literally means uh, woman of the of the fairies. Mm-hmm. Ban means woman, and she means fairy. Uh, but they're actually uh, familiar, a family spirit which follows particular Celtic family lines. They're kind of a sort of guardian angel, except kind of a creepy version. Ooh, I see. And they, uh, it's sort of maybe an ancestral spirit, which of a woman who had died in early on in the line's creation, who was watching over the line. They've been known to follow people all over the world of, of Irish and, uh, and Scottish extraction. And they're known to scream, to wail uh, right before someone is about to die. But of course, the person does who doesn't hear it is the one who dies. Uh, the, the saying goes, if you don't hear the banshee wail, you're the one who's going to die. So, and often people, sometimes they'll make themselves visible, sometimes not. Sometimes they can appear as a beautiful woman. But most often as a, as a, a very unattractive, old, haggish-type woman dressed in black or gray.
2: Doug, stand by. You and I have to take our news at the bottom of the hour. Doug Elwell is our special guest, XO Nation, And his website is www.mysteriousworld.com. Doug Elwell and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue talking about Ireland in uh, in advance of St. Patrick's Day next what Tuesday? That's right. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exon Live Vendor on the World on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Four zero one zero zero eight zero to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember two one three four zero one zero zero eight zero for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24 seven twenty-four seven, three sixty-five. Galwell's my special guest this hour, XR nation He's got a fascinating site, and if you'd like to know all about Ireland. Just go to www.mysteriousworld.com, and there's uh, quite a number of links there. It's a super, it's a super site, and of course, Doug uh, has an ad in the X Chronicles that'll be coming out this weekend for the month of March. Doug, where does the uh, the unicorn come from in Ireland?
0: The unicorn, I think, is actually more of a French uh, invention. It's a concept that came from France. But, uh, there, were, like I said before, there were a lot of Celts in France. Yeah. In fact, the Gauls are basically a Celtic people. Uh, as far as the unicorn goes, it's, it's more of an interesting myth, but it's not specifically Irish, per se.
2: All right. You, you said they had lake monsters or sea monsters?
0: Oh, yes. They have all kinds of uh, incredible uh, stories. I was quite impressed by the amount of uh, stories they had, actually, about lake monsters and sea serpents.
2: Can you share a few of them with us?
0: Absolutely. Uh, the sea monsters actually, uh, they're actually one of the more common uh, mythical creatures to be found all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, for example, uh, uh, the one called the Moordris, a uh, lake monster that believes Loch Ruri and County Down, the Ulfheist, which literally means like great, fabulous beast, uh, that it was part of the St. Patrick's story. It's, it's believed that uh, it was so huge that it actually carved out such a huge gouge that uh, one of these gouges later became the Shannon River. And uh, at one time, uh, St. Patrick came in contact with a, one of these creatures, one of them which was called a piast, which is probably the origin of the term uh, beast, or the, actually the Celtic term, beast, mm-hmm. is piast. Uh, and he actually, uh, this this beast actually was attacking a monastery in Glendalough, And uh, St. Patrick, he was eating the monks, and St. Patrick came against him, and, uh, drove him from, from the region. Uh, when, when we were doing research, and I realized that Pias is actually very similar in description, and even the name was very similar to a creature called the Piasaw Creature. Uh, that's, uh, located in, uh, off the Mississippi Bluffs of, uh, of near St. Louis. But there's a, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, we did an article for that in a Mysterious World called The Mysterious Piasaw Creature. And it was very, very similar to the, uh, Piast of Celtic legend. I wonder if there's some kind of connection, perhaps yeah. linked up with Brendan's travels, because uh, he was said to have seen all kinds of fabulous creatures there. Right. And when he when he traveled west, he may have gone as far as America, or even up north into, uh, into up the Mississippi River. But yeah, the, the, the Piast was actually uh, one of the most famous oh. legendary creatures. It was basically a creature which had a human like face, but uh, dragon-like scales and wings, and a very, very long looping tail. Uh,
2: That's interesting, Doug, because it seems in every in every country's legend there are dragons of some sort.
0: Reptilians. Yes, it's, it's a common, it's a common uh, thing. Some people think it may have been when people came, uh, came up and dug up old prehistoric uh, skeletons of dinosaurs. They de- developed elaborate uh, uh, mythologies around ancient heroes battling giant dragons. Or maybe there were uh, large serpentine creatures alive for a period of time long after we thought they were extinct. It's not really clear.
2: Food for thought, isn't there?
0: Yeah, it's uh, quite possible some dinosaur remnants lived well uh, into historical times.
2: One of our listeners wanted to know if the Irish really invented green beer.
0: (laughs) Probably. I think that was actually more of an American invention once again, which popular because everything green has got to be Irish around St. Patrick's. Green and beer, you know, it just goes together. Yeah, and
2: apparently they dye the river in Chicago. Green.
0: Yeah, I actually went there a couple of years ago, and they have they had a, one part of the ceremony is they, uh, they have a speedboat uh, dumping out uh, uh, a vegetable dye, which actually turns the, the entire Chicago River green for a period of a day. It used <laughs> to be, back in the early days, they got the idea from a plumber... who uh, who lived, I think it was near the beginning of the 19th century, used to use green dye to discover leaks that went into the Chicago River uh, by seeing where the dye went when he poured it into the the pipes of the buildings. And uh, some local uh, 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 guys from a a local union picked up the idea to turn the river green for the St. Patrick's Day Parade, and it stuck that way for a long time. Uh, They used uh, kind of a a non-environmentally friendly uh, oil-based paint, which kept the river green for several days. But they've since switched over to uh, green, green, if you will. Uh, stuff that organic green that won't pollute the river. But it was a very interesting story, and the, the same people who found out who did the original dye job mm-hmm. uh, still are in charge of that even today, and they actually sell t-shirts on a website. I think they're linked to... We have a link to them on our site, uh, ireland.mysteriousworld.com. You can actually buy a t-shirt to in front of people who do the two dive the uh, Chicago River. River green every year
2: Doug as far as the historical cities in Ireland uh, what are some of the most historic and most visited cities
0: probably the most visited city would be Dublin after that cork and uh, Kerry the, the ring of Kerry is probably the most popular area not one particular uh, city but the entire ring which is basically uh, the around the Kerry uh Kerry is a county on the southern uh edge of Ireland. And there's there's a there's a ro- winding road with a lot of great sites and wonderful natural uh vistas. Uh, the Ring of Kerry is very popular. Uh Ulster is also very popular, the uh, the northern areas, uh, uh northwest. Um uh, so much I, I lose track of it all. Um
2: What's the number one uh, industry in Ireland?
0: Industry probably, right now, for a while it was technology. They were doing very well, known as the Celtic Tiger. Mm -hmm. They were doing comparably well with us uh, per capita in the technology sector. Their major export is actually, I think, still wool, uh, because they have a huge cattle industry, and they also make a lot of beef, of course. Beer, naturally, is one of their major exports, even though it doesn't keep very well when you export it. Just the, the type of the beer they have, it, it's always best when you drink it in the region. It was, it was brute. Because even traveling a short distance, it tends to lose its flavor for some reason.
2: Now, wasn't there a lot of problems with their sheep a couple of years ago? Um, I don't know. I'm just i just trying mean, to think of the, uh, the illness that, uh, that swept through uh, the majority of the uh, flocks, and they lost quite a bit of sheep.
0: If I have in the U.K., that was a problem. With Ireland, it, oh, they're okay. a little different over there. Things are a little more dispersed and not as uh, mechanized as it is in the U.K., so they're more shielded against that sort of disease disease problems. But uh, they, might have, they probably were hit by it by some extent. But.
2: People traveling over to Ireland, uh, what can they expect?
0: Uh, they can expect a very clean and well-ordered country. Uh, there's been no problems with terrorism in the North for years, and there isn't going to be any time soon. There was a minor incident recently, but that was just one little deal. Uh, for the, it's, I would say Ireland is as or more orderly than the United States. The cities are very safe. Uh, the countryside is beautiful. And the people are always very friendly, and you could actually sit down in a bar and have a pint with somebody. They'll probably talk to you and tell you about their local stories. They're all, they're all very proud of their local stories, and every city has its own little story. Because quite a few of them have St. Patrick stories, as you can imagine, or mm-hmm. St. Brendan's story. Sure. Or uh, in the west, you have the, uh, the Tuatha De Danann, and the west and the south stories of the Tuatha De Danann and the, uh, the wars and their, and their magic and all kinds of wonderful uh, legends that uh, we cover very thoroughly in Mysterious World Island.
2: As far as uh, money is concerned, uh, how you know what is the, is their currency uh, pounds over in Ireland
0: it's or is uh, it the euro? The, uh, In the north, it's uh, pounds; That's the uh, British area. But in the south, mo- the majority of the country is on the euro.
2: And uh, yeah, the Canadian or the American—let's uh, use the American dollar—is what would a person get in euros for an American dollar?
0: Last time I looked, it was it was a 1.5 to one uh, in favor of the euro. So it's more expensive to go there than it is for an Irish person to come here, for example, because mm-hmm. our currency is still weaker. I'd have to check that, though; it's been a while.
2: People go to Ireland; they have a good time. Are the accommodations very expensive? Is the food expensive?
0: It's, it's, it's all very moderate. It depends on what you want to do. If you go with the B&Bs, you can get by uh, pretty cheaply. If you go by hotels, it will be a little more expensive. Uh, a lot of people like to do backpacking, so they go to hostels and get a very mm-hmm. cheap rate there. Students do that quite often. Uh, just avoid taking taxis, apparently, because they're very expensive. <laughs> probably you'll want to go with a bus tour or some kind of package tour. That's probably the cheapest way to go. Right. Uh, but. Go on the cheapest way to go and probably see the most stuff when you do a package tour. If you want to just uh, see, you could just stay in Dublin for a couple of weeks and never see all of it. The first thing I'll do, the, when I finally go there, i would never actually been there, by the way, I was just a publisher and co-author and the main author is named Ian Middleton. He was the guy who did the actual footwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, When I actually do go there, I'd probably go to Dublin and spend some, a couple of weeks there because they have all the major attractions there. The National Museum with the Book of Kells, of uh, they have the um, number of excellent museums, and also uh, Dublinia, uh, and uh, the, there's a great section there. Uh, some wonderful restaurants in the downtown. There is absolutely fantastic area. Dublin's probably the best place to go if you're not sure where to go first. After that, I would say the the Ring of Kerry is also probably the most popular area to go. Uh,
2: are there a lot of uh, his? Are there a lot of uh, castles? That, uh, that are open to the public, and are any of the castles, uh, bed and breakfast where the public can actually spend a night in an Irish castle?
0: You know, there's a very good castle in near Dublin that you probably might, your your uh, listeners might be interested in going to. Let me get the name here. It's uh, it's basically associated with uh, Bram Stoker and the whole Dracula experience. Oh, really? It was Bram Stoker, actually, he was, he was a Dubliner. He, uh, he lived in, in Dublin, and he got a lot of his ideas. For a story, from the, uh, Irish mythology, and uh, I'm not sure about the Dracula per se, but
2: yeah, not to mention came. a few of the uh, Dublin uh, pints, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, he, he was very much into that. He was uh, there's actually a Bram Stoker Museum uh, uh, called the Bram Stoker Experience, which uh, was very highly rated. Um, oh, here it is, Clontarf Castle in uh, North Dublin. Basically, it's associated with, uh, King Brian Boru and also with, uh, uh, Bram Stoker. It's a very beautiful, uh, old castle, which has been turned into a very nice hotel. i uh, I recommend that one. It looks like a really good one, actually. That's got, it's gotten very good reviews. And it's, it's very historical because, uh, Brian Boru's last stand against the Vikings was, it was, uh, fought there. You know, King Brian Boru was the first and only king to really unite Ireland and Irish history. He was actually a descendant of the Tuatha De Danann, who lived in the south and in the in the areas in the southwest. And he actually was able to unite the entire Ireland and drive out the Vikings for a period of time. Uh, but unfortunately, he died uh, during the last battle to unite Ireland, and soon thereafter, Ireland uh, fell into chaos again. Seems to be their uh, their destiny. But um, that area is extremely. Uh, Interesting for a number of reasons. Ancient history. Uh, Patrickus uh, came by near there. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's more recently there's a Bram Stoker who's associated with the area. Uh, Jim Fitzpatrick, the guy who did a lot of those wonderful illustrations, uh, he's well known for his Celtic illustrations. Also lives in that area. Even though I wouldn't tell you where he lived, <laughs> he's uh, he's, a, he's a very popular part of uh, of London or of, of Dublin, it's the northern area. Yeah, the Lusk Church uh, in that region is actually one of the first churches in Ireland. Uh, the Cave of uh, Durwood and Granya. Mm-hmm. very popular Irish folklore, and some very good, dole, very good dolmens and uh, standing stones to visit that region as well.
2: Do you know of any don't-dos in Ireland?
0: Well, let's see. Don't-dos in Ireland, I wouldn't...
2: Uh, I wouldn't take anybody's wouldn't, uh, beard, I wouldn't right? wear
0: orange in, a, <laughs> in certain, <laughs> certain areas. I wouldn't wear green in certain areas uh-huh. in the north, but uh, in, uh, particularly in... Uh, Downtown. Um, uh, what's the name? What's, what's the name of that? in uh, uh, this parts of the north, it could be dangerous. But the, when Ian went there, he actually had a very good time. Even some of the more "quote unquote" dangerous areas, people are still very friendly. And what is, one time, when his van broke down during his trip, uh, one guy actually fixed it for free. Uh, he was amazed by that. The, the Irish people are very friendly and accommodating. They just like to have a good conversation a lot of the time. And, good conversation over a pint is worth money to them, I think, worth more than money. Well, I think a good conversation is worth more than money, in my opinion.
2: That is so true. That is so true. Doug, uh, what has been the greatest point of satisfaction for you and, your, and uh, the rest of your staff in putting together your travel guides?
0: I think uh, I've always been a lover of books. I'm a, a terrific bibliophile. I've spent way too much on books. I have most of a bookcase filled with books in Ireland that I'd use for research. Just reading about Ireland I just found fascinating while listening to Irish music. It's a wonderful experience. Um, so I guess it's like fine wine. It's it's a refined taste, but once you get into it, it's, it's there's nothing, you can't beat it except for maybe an actual trip to Ireland. And Reading about Irish history and, and mythology was just one of the more wonderful experiences of my life. And writing a book about it was a tremendous Tremendously satisfying experience. Definitely.
2: Are you going to be doing any other books on on any other parts of of Europe?
0: Well, uh, Ian actually went to New Zealand afterwards, but we never we haven't had a chance to do a book on that yet. That's probably our next travel guide. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty popular area. Uh, probably a much smaller book, so it'll be cheaper to do. <laughs> New Zealand's a much smaller country, but it's a pretty popular place to go. It's been consistently rated one of the best places to go. Uh, by various travel organizations for years now, and of course, the Lord of the Rings is filmed there. So that That's right, yeah. increases popularity. Uh, if we, if we should, we'd be able to publish it a few years back. The Lord of the Rings mania has died down a bit, but it's still a great place to go. And you can see all many of the the, the spots that they filmed of uh, pretty much the entire film. It's a beautiful country.
2: Doug, we've got to we've got to take a commercial break. Stand by, Doug Alwells, our special guest. The uh, website is Ireland.mysteriousworld.com. That's Ireland.mysteriousworld.com. My name's Rob McConnell and Doug Elwood and I will be, Elwell and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in St. Catharines, Ontario on Talkstar.
0: X-Z-B-N-dot-net.
2: Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars.
1: A soul-balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world.
2: Oh, yeah, many a night's in Montreal at the and Bowl and then at uh, Flanagan's, or, and then we'd go to Finnegan's, it was great being Irish every Friday night. Hmm. Doug Elwell is our special guest. The website is www.ireland.mysteriousworld.com. Doug, what is the best time of year to go to Ireland uh, for the best weather?
0: Best weather is the height of uh, summer because most of the year it's cold and rainy. Uh, there's a period between, uh, let's say, like you might expect, between June 15th and August 15th where it's the warmest but if you go off-season uh, during the late spring or early fall you'll avoid most of the crowds
2: and that's always a good idea
0: Yeah, it, there's quite crowded during peak season
2: and i would imagine now on the off-season uh, the uh, traveler would also save some money
0: off-season is always cheaper uh, wintertime if you can stand it probably the best time there are things you can see in the wintertime uh, that you can't see uh, during the summer for example the festival of the wren and the, and the boxing day which they celebrate over there the Festival of the Wren, they actually in some areas of the country still have the Wren boys who go around singing about uh, the tale of the Wren. It's just kind of a, a druidic custom ho- that held over from ancient times. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, basically, where the Wren boys go around asking for money to, to bury the Wren, which had died. <laughs> it's just kind of a little funny little folklore. Uh, and there, are, there are things that go on throughout the year, festivals. We have an entire huge listing of festivals that go, go around year-round. Uh, sometimes if you go during the summer, you'll miss out some of the better festivals. So, uh, for example, the St. Patrick's Day festival, which, which is gigantic, it's March 17th. Uh, so, year-round is always tough to do, and of course, it would be cheaper if you went off, in uh, off-peak season.
2: Do you have any uh, Do you have any advice for travelers who are thinking about going to Ireland?
0: I would say uh, now's a pretty good time because, uh, generally speaking, one of the reasons we chose Ireland is because our theory is that uh, the non-Western cultures are going to become more and more dangerous to visit. And that's been been true, uh, increasingly true, for example, Mexico. Uh, they're having traveler's advisories there now because of the problems down there. Mm-hmm. You would have never thought of that five, ten or even five years ago, but now that's it's
2: so true, yeah.
0: un- ill-advised. But Ireland's not going to be a problem any time soon, as is most of Western Europe and Northern Europe. So for that reason alone, Ireland's a great place to go. Like I said before, the people are very friendly. The uh, euro uh, has gone down in value compared to the, compared to the dollar and the and the Canadian dollar, I believe, uh, in recent years. Not a lot more, but it's definitely cheaper than it was. It was two to one, almost two to one, uh, when we wrote the book back in 2000, late 2006. So it's cheaper now to go. Uh, also, people aren't going as often, so you can probably get better rates. because uh, people are cutting back on their vacationing, mm-hmm. uh, so you can get better rates, a better. hotel rates, better food, everything's going to be
2: cheaper. How are the airfares uh, going over to Ireland? I haven't checked the
0: airfares, but I suspect everything is cheaper.
2: (laughs) Doug, I want to take this opportunity, my friend, of thanking you very much for joining us tonight. And uh, to you and yours, a very happy St. Patrick's Day. You too, Rob. Take care, Doug. Look forward to talking to you the next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Doug Elwell, www.ireland.mysteriousworld.com. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, we'll be joined by Sue Allen. We're going to be talking to Sue about demonic possession, spirit release, and psychic attacks. That's coming up next on the Exxon after this word from our sponsor and the news. That means I'll be back at six and a half minutes past the hour. And if you'd like to give us a call and say hi to Sue, 1-877-528-8255. That's toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one 528 You're listening to the Exxon Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.
0: Mary redeemed a $50,000
2: cash prize playing Chumba Casino
1: online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true.
2: Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes